0: Hey, this is the moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Burt Kreischer, who I became such a fan over the pandemic. You know, I was a fan before for a variety of reasons. The podcast, you know, as happens, right? The podcast with Tom becomes that becomes a doorway to then get into all the other stuff. And also, it's a for me, a delivery system where I could understand the human being, the slightly different version of the person you know
1: I'm a very different person well that's for sure
0: but uh there's no doubt about that but you and I have certain things in common and partially also like the arcs of these careers and the ways that we both have uh sort of deal with anxiety as we try to do these things and stay true to like the reasons we started doing them so if you don't know who Bert Kreischer is because I was thinking about it and I wasn't sure how much crossover there is. But Bert is one of the biggest comedians in the world. He's a great podcaster. He's an incredibly authentic figure, but he also, you know, man, one of the things I love is how even as you're talking about living a larger than life kind of existence, it always comes back to your humanity. It comes back to how you process anxiety, how you love your daughters and your wife, how you want to be both good to them and then true to your wilder impulses and i find that shit amazing and fascinating how long you've been able to mine that um, material and uh, i just watched a new special razzle dazzle and i just fucking laughed my ass off congratulations thank you
1: thank you so much thank you thank you thank you it's you're always on the edge when you you, because i mean i know it works in the in the theaters but uh but you never know so thank you that means a lot
0: yeah, man, I was so happy to watch it. I was so glad I got this because it's coming out this week. As you're listening to this podcast, it's on on Netflix, and you know I'm sure you've seen if you're listening to this, The Machine, uh, and probably listened to the Burt Cast and Two Bears One Cave. But I, I guess I want to start here, man. I do think that that Two Bears shed a lot of light on this. But I've seen in so many interviews over the years, you've been like, I'm exactly the guy that's on stage or that was in that Rolling Stone article. Yeah. But talk a little bit because now you're on the moment. And I know you've listened to this for a long time. Yes, so yes, yes. what is it like when you come back down into the version of yourself that, that wants to be like that all the time, but of course isn't? Like, where do you see the lines between the storyteller on stage with his shirt off and really the guy driving his daughters to school?
1: That's a really interesting question. I, they're very, very, very blurry. I mean, there was a period of time when especially since the advent of Instagram stories. I think a lot of people have gotten to know me through Instagram, because yes. I'm so, I'm so heavily dedicated to promoting my live shows. And I, I use my stories kind of as a reality show. So I think people, you know, like if like the big, I mean the, I can tell you the arcs of these stories, but like, uh, our chickens were getting killed by a, by a raccoon. Uh, we, yes. th- and that everyone followed that during the pandemic, are we? There was, uh, there, if there was ever a rat in the house that our cat brings in, those really spike, And and met my daughters, my daughters and my wife, the family stuff really spikes and it gets blurry. There was so blurry at a time that the girls, if they didn't want me to be on stories, would in the background go, Dad hits mom. Dad (laughs) hits mom. Right. And and dad's cheating on mom. And I go, Girl, shut up. And then I couldn't post it. And so you can't post it. It gets really, really blurry. And it's gotta I mean, I say this, I say this now. I don't think hindsight's any help right now, but it's got to be really confusing to be one of my daughters.
0: (laughs) Well, obviously, I want to ask about about that. But Mike Birbiglia tells stories about his life, but when you go to Mike Birbiglia show, because of all of, because he's on This American Life, because of the sort of way that he's telling those stories, the language choice, it's quite clearly the work of someone who's writing something. Right. Yes. Yes. And it's quite clear that okay, this is um, uh, these are my feelings that I've had, but there's an exaggerated version, right? But in a way, you're an incredible craftsman, and I think by by talking about just like, hey, it's me, in a way, it sells the craft short. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of craft involved in, in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I learned how to
1: sell... the first. I was good at telling stories on stage. We we did. A uh, storytelling show. Right when I first started stand up, I started at the Boston Comedy Club, and me and DC Benny started the storytelling show down at uh, on Soho in, on Houston. And the first night I did it, I told I, I did ended up doing five nights before I, I moved out to L.A. But every five of those stories ended up in a special. Uh, the first story I told was uh, taking acid and going to Disneyland. And I and it, it murdered so hard in the storytelling room where they were allowing you the luxury of telling a story that I yes. I kept thinking why am I not doing this on stage, and so stand up was a little more different it was a little more compact at the time it was everything yes. was set up punch no one was Mike Birbiglia even at that time wasn't doing uh, stories yet he he hadn't really figured because I remember watching him um, and so I had to li- I I had to learn how to cheat it. And, and almost like it's like putting medicine in the peanut butter. And yes, and I, my first, I remember the first thing I could do was be like, oh, 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 oh I got to tell you the story. And then like you get that energy and then people get excited or I would cheat it with doing uh, doing a setup punch to get into the story as almost like you like that joke. Let me tell you the backstory of that joke kind of thing.
0: I mean, you and still do that, it seems, like, in the special. Like, even in the new special, there are two huge stories. But you kind of save these two huge stories for the second half. You build yep. to them. And there are a lot of jokes in the first five minutes. And then, it, then, then there's tons of jokes f- folded in. But I guess this is what I was wondering. Like, so Bert tells such a great fucking social commentary story. Like... And it's packaged in a hilarious thing about his kid's private school raffle. And and this is what I was wondering. Like, I've been in a situation where it's half what happened and half what even while I was there in that moment, I was imagining like, well, what if I did this part? Because like, you know, there's this great moment in it where you have to hit him with a socket and (laughs) like that, you know, obviously you didn't really do that at your kid's school, but did you think i'm so interested in this because you're there and i know you're at an event at your kid's school this is what i picture you're at an event at your kid's school these people are driving you fucking crazy with their hypocrisy Mm. you're dealing with it and you're like whispering to your wife i should i would love to fuck and then i'm just wondering like, how much is that like the wish fulfillment of what you did versus the actual things
1: that story is i would say oh i'd say 95 percent true only because that five percent i don't really remember like i don't remember i was i was drunk but i i distinctly remember going up to uh darren turbo who was running the raffle and he had sold me he had sold an underwhelming amount of tickets and i just thought it was so i mean it made me giggle it made me giggle to spend a ton and i had and i had uh merch money on me it was like a monday night so i had merch money on me so and i was like i'll spend all my merch money on these raffle tickets and it made me giggle the secret made me giggle and i didn't tell leanne and i didn't tell our friends and when the realization of all of it was so huge and it was so funny and by the way that is my mood i do that all the time like i i I, so much so that at auctions and at uh and at raffles i met i have a history. I just was with Caroline Ray, and she met me at a raffle, and she, and I did that at her raffle, and I was at an auction at my daughter's schools recently, and Sister Donna sat down next to me and said, "I've heard stories about this. That's I awesome. want to see it. I want to see it in person." And now that energy sends me through the roof. I go, "Oh, you want to see? You want to see the shirt come off? You want to see the?" And so I said, "Sister, the first thing they auctioned off was a trip to Cabo." And I said, uh, "Sister Donna, you ever been to Cabo?" And she said. Excuse me, I said Mexico. You ever been to Mexico? She said no, and I said ten thousand dollars for the trip to Mexico. I'm sending the nuns. I'm sending Gosh. the nuns. Sister Donna's, and so Sister Donna's going to Cabo San Lucas <laughs> with with the rest of the nuns in in the rectory. Right. And so it's the best. And so that the the five percent. Here was the problem with that story is I, I I couldn't articulate the energy or what was happening on my walk back and forth, and I didn't remember the walk back and forth. Except for the point where Leanne was like, because I've always said I'm very lucky. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. And Leanne said, I remember her saying to someone, oh, my God, he won two in a row. He I swear to God, he is the luckiest guy. You'll see. I, yeah. I mean, i am be shocked. I bet he won's a, wins all 12 prizes. And and so, but I didn't remember. And I tr- the hardest part about writing that story, because, by the way, Leanne did win. The last prize, hundred uh, percent. Swear to God, Leanne did win the last prize. We won all twelve prizes, and then the and the parents were irate. The only part that I had I had a really hard time writing, because I wasn't sure, and I was like, if I was Sebastian Maniscalco, I could do this so much better. But getting from the table to the stage, and I tried so many iterations of a way to explain. I was really like Danny McBride in that moment. Like he was that makes in total sense that makes total sense yeah but i couldn't articulate it in my actions I, oddly enough i started kind of as a physical comic and i'm not really good at physicality and so i wanted to do like the conor mcgregor walk and then everything seemed like it was you know the problem these days everything's on instagram so i felt like i was memeing myself so right. um so i, I just kind of had to go to the to the nuts and bolts of it and pull out all the physicality And pull out all the Ric Flair
0: references, and I mean, I had so many iterations of that. I personally would have really appreciated the Ric Flair references, the Woo. If you had Woo's in there, I would have loved it. Yeah,
1: I I took them out oddly enough. Well, and I'll tell you another reason why is uh, once you start a Woo, the whole crowd is Wooing the rest of the night. The rest of the night is a Woo.
0: Well, you know, I, yeah, I, I made my, I've sold this before, so I won't say it, but I made my son go with me when he was studying for the SATs because no one else would go. I made him go when Bruno got inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. So he's studying for the SATs and I actually, he brings his fucking books, but the woos took over the whole night because Rick walks in and like the whole garden right up until Bruno's was basically just wooing the whole night. And then yeah. I started doing it and I told Sammy, look, I'll it'll be fine, you'll be fine studying, and this is a long time ago. And then literally I get there and I go in a full WWE persona, like yeah. talking like that and doing the woos right in his ears. He's trying to fucking figure out the vocab. So
1: yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's funny, the closer I get to the truth of a story, the funnier funnier it is. And and I my 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 want is to sometimes help create a better moment when I tell it, but I mean that story pretty much
0: I mean, it was the funniest fucking night. And people got so upset. But when you're, this is, I guess, the thing, right? When you're in that night, are you already, I have like so many questions about this night. Please. So essentially, I don't want to ruin the special, but essentially there's a people acting kind of with some hypocrisy about supporting a certain cause, even though they supposedly stand for all this stuff. Well, okay, you're right. You're right, you're right. I, people, I, I love, getting, like, into m- yeah, I love yeah. getting into the weeds. I love getting into
1: the weeds on this. Okay. And, I, and, and by the way, this was too much. This was too much to tell in the story because it got it confusing the re I mean I can tell you the exact names of the schools but I don't know if that's fair there is uh there's there is a school that is just outside our district that is somewhat underprivileged but they're white kids and so uh they're not kids of color so when they found out oh it's just other white kids in the valley they that's when they stopped didn't want to donate and secret time The the underprivileged school wouldn't accept our money.
0: That's yeah. All around, all around, everybody playing games instead of just trying to help people. And so, and so, you were just like, "Let's
1: help people." I was like, Uh, I was like, "Well, I didn't give a shit of what color the kids are." I mean, by the way, and by the way, it sounds virtue signaling if you say that on stage. But I was just like, "Yeah, I'll help the school. I don't give a shit." And and then uh, yeah, but that's yes. And then you do that, but
0: when that's happening, when that night is happening, yeah, are you aware that you're making a story that? will serve your art art i was gonna say do you consider yourself an artist uh do you you allow your do you think of yourself that way as an i'm an artist i
1: don't i do it i think i'm
0: i think of myself
1: more as a marketer (laughs) well i mean i feel like my real talent is promoting my shows (laughs) i feel sometimes i feel like i just own a mcdonald's and i'm calling myself a chef
0: not even a McDonald's, a McDaniels. Like, you want a McDaniels, uh, yeah. basically.
1: Uh, I just got a good location. Oh. That's
0: hilarious. So, no, okay, that's great and self-deprecating. But again, yeah. like, oh, before we started, he said that he'd been listening to the moment ever since I made Big J cry. So, uh, I'm not going to try to Roy Firestone you. But 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 you are, an, this is the thing, right? I'm picturing you at this event doing this thing. But I know the way writers think. And I know that, at or I wonder, like, was there something in there where, while it was happening, where you were like, oh, this is a story. Like, this is something I can mine. Or does that happen later? No, like, it happens how later. does that happen?
1: It, it happens later. I So this is going to be a little meta, but before I was a comedian, I was the guy
0: that people would tell stories about from the night before. And so- Oh, I know you were, I, sorry, I should have told the audience. Yeah. I mean, the, the basically when he was in college, he was like world famous for, for partying. And they made a movie yeah. about it and wrote an article in rolling stone, um, about Bert. So yes, of course, but, right. But, but, but
1: what's, what, what's true to that fact is I wasn't promoting myself in college. I was just a guy living an authentic life that was somewhat, uh, out of the box and funny and wild. I mean, big famous stories. I took a shit on a pizza box to win an election. And so like, I, but that's who I was and I, and I, I found it gross to almost retell your stories it's like you had to be there that was how it worked and but i'm authentically the person that does the thing to make himself and the people around him laugh and so what's funny about that story is that story happened i i I wish liam's here she'd be more accurate to tell you but the girls were still very young i'm telling that on a special right now where george is in college and Islas is a, a, a 16 years old so that had to have happened probably eight years ago and it wasn't until i'm um, writing this hour that uh leanne leanne's like i
0: had this great snow machine but she was like you should tell the time about the raffle and right. i right, those things go together this because the one is she's in fifth grade the one yeah where, um and it was weird because the beginning of the special it was clear she's much older but then suddenly she's in fifth grade at the yeah
1: oh she's gonna be in fifth grade for the rest of her life i need this kid my act right so and so leanne's like you got to tell that on stage and so and the same thing with the escape room at the end of the story i i at the end of the show i was on stage and georgia my oldest facetimed me and i was like oh my god it's my daughter and she's in college she never facetimes so i'm like i'm i gotta answer it guys and she might be in trouble so i answered it and i was like hey baby i'm on stage they go crazy And she goes, you should tell the story about the escape room. And I was like, what was that one? She was like, do you remember we went to the escape room and we just only brought Papa because we wanted to watch him lose his shit. And then the audience laughs, right? And I go, I don't really, I I remember it, but I don't really remember it. She's like, remember Papa threw Nana into the trunk and then the room laughs. She goes, remember you, you almost, you almost shit your pants in the tunnel and Papa almost threw up. And I'm like, oh my God, keep going, keep going, (laughs) keep going. And then she's like, and then when Papa lost his shit, do you remember? Do you remember that story, Dad? And I'm like, I do now, I do now. And then I told it that night, and then I worked on it. And uh, but I'm, I really am oblivious sometimes to the sto- I, I, to the stories that are happening around me, or if I, I don't know how to, because you know every story needs an end, and oh and yeah, that's, and that's the the number one thing that if you're if you're anyone trying to be a storyteller, you got to end it. You got to you gotta, they got to know it's over. And that one just had such a succinct ending,
0: yeah, that makes it, but it makes sense that it was a while ago, because, like I'm saying, obviously the had to hit him with a socket thing, which is yeah. right toward the end of that thing. that's the writer. That's the art weirdly, that's the artist, right yeah, that's going, the ar- that's the artist that's the artist in you going now I have to cr- I have to take this thing that I really did,
1: well, you know want to know something really interesting about that, yeah, is. I am a big proponent of going to concerts. If you're a comic and you're putting on concerts and theater shows, you should go check a bunch out also to see what other people's shows are. And so we went and saw Steely Dan. I wanted to see how he ran his merch, and I love Steely Dan. So we went and saw Steely Dan at the Hollywood Bowl, and X-Pac was sitting behind us. And uh, and X-Pac was – and I know X-Pac. I've known him for uh, a long time. And I said – and I introduced him. Sean is his name. I introduced him to my wife. He's with another professional wrestler who I can't remember – and leanne goes how do you know him and i said oh he's a professional wrestler she was like oh what's his signature move and i go uh. well he's really like xbox really i go his best thing is like he just does this like suck it thing and it's, it's really fucking great she goes to who and i go oh just to anyone like he does it to anyone he sees and she goes what do you mean and i was like you know drop off and and then and so i had this moment with xbox where i go and then i go back out on the road that weekend i just seen him and i was like oh i should do a little i love a little homages to your buddies or your Me, your friends that's the best. and i go i yeah. i cuz i love X- Sean, he's the sweetest guy and so i was like i got to hit him with the socket and and then and then and it's a cool way it's a cool way to be like i'm never going to be patton and be able to tell you about a, an irish writer from the 1800s in my act but I, but i can tell you about some stuff i do know and like and so, and so that's my my James Joyce re- my reference.
0: No, yeah, I, right. You and I could. It's not I even mean, for me. You know, I can float a little bit, but be- uh, but be- between. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, I could definitely talk to you at length about what happened the night Bruiser Brody was killed, if I had to. Like, I could yeah. go very deep into that uh, yeah. fucking insane conversation. So I love that you got that from. The wrestler. I didn't realize that that's where I, and then you knew, oh, I'm gonna tag that, or were you just doing that at the end of a bunch of different shit just, on I stage? Just, no, I just I
1: it's it's sometimes it's just random where you're it's a really fun moment in stand-up where your brain will go, Oh, you know what work here? Oh, this is and and so as you're doing it, like my favorite version that's ever ever happened to me is the machine story. In the machine oh, the, story, yeah. I had I had a, I had a bit, I didn't have an end to that bit. So the end of the story, I thought, because the end of the real moment was tonight you party with us, but it never yes. popped the way I wanted it to do. And it left people going, so we did you party with them? And I was like, that, let, yeah, but it in, but I, I was like, it's over. It's over. I don't want to tell, start telling another story. And so one night in Columbus, Ohio, I had this very confusing moment about when he spits vodka in her eyes I, I, and I, I would tell a joke. It was just a nonsense joke. That that some comedian was like, why why do you tell us that part? And I was like, I don't know, I just don't have anything there. And he's like, yeah, but I don't need to know that information. And it doesn't, it's not, it's not congruous with the instant, like what she says and what he. There shouldn't be any back and forth. And I was like, oh, interesting. In Columbus, I go on stage, and one of the things they said a lot when we were in Russia was, "This is Russia." Like they would tell you, uh, they love to tell you, "You're not in America. This is Russia." And he, and so I, I'm just in the moment. I turn he looks at me and he goes, fuck that bitch. This is Russia. And as I said it, my brain goes, I got an end of the story. I got an end of the uh, story. The end of the story is the end of the story is the cop says the same, cause the cop would say the same thing that they said. And I was like, oh my God, it's the greatest moment. And so in that, in that story, I literally, am like, I'm on stage and the, and I, I knew I didn't have a pop for, uh, for not getting the the last number and not to ruin the story for anyone, but I didn't have a pop for it. It didn't have a pop, and and I but I needed I needed like a moment, and so the verbiage is I cocked back for my first suck it, look down. He calls the number. I look at my ticket and I don't have that number. Boom. <laughs> and so and so, but I needed the line. I cocked back for my first suck it because it's just it's
0: it 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 flows well. I mean, it hammered me. I texted you last night when I got there to that <laughs> moment, and I was just yeah. like. You know, I just hit you, I just hit you with the line because it was the that's the thing. Cause I mean, it would be fucking weird if you started referencing James Joyce in the middle of that story. Like what has to happen for your story to have its actual fucking integrity, like unity of tone, is that thing. Because yeah. that's the like where you're like you're living there as a comedian, right? And it was the perfect fucking capper. I mean, that's why I started clapping when I was watching it last night, right? And I came home, I mean, this is. You know, I came home from a fucking hard, I was on set for an ungodly early hour, right? And then I get the link and I'm like, well, I got to watch because that's what you do. But I was like, fuck, am I going to skim through this thing? Am I going to just watch a little? (laughs) But then I'm sitting there at home, just like, you know, clapping to the suck it thing. And it was just great. Just what I needed. you know, it was just what I needed to fucking like leave the day behind and move on. And that's a real gift that you have, dude. Oh, thank you. Well, it's true. I mean, it's just the truth. Did you ever like when you said oh early in your career you were i know you were at what boston comedy club in new york yeah. doing work in the door originally like yeah. barking right yep who was your class like what's your who were your class of comedians that you hung hung with in the new york scene then? um i get i mean i i was kind of classless and i say that
1: like big j was younger than me but big j was younger than me but he was at he he wasn't getting spots yet but he was hanging out Kev was Kevin Hart was hanging out Kevin Hart I guess theoretically would be my class uh, Big J Kurt Metzger um Dimitri Martin and I started on the same night and so awesome. Dimitri is my Dimitri is my like my classmate like I look at him and go we start we've been doing it exactly the same amount of time and so um but I because I worked the door and I and I leapfrogged so quickly like, I only worked the door for six months, and then Will Smith discovered me. So I never yes. really banged around the clubs with anyone. I just all of a sudden moved to L.A., and I was on a TV show. I had a sitcom. We were developing a sitcom, and I was living in a hotel, and I was like, I mean, I guess Dane's way older than me, but I would always, I mean, I, Nick Swartz and I just consider my class, but they're, they've are they all been doing it longer, but they were, that was the professional level I was at in a weird way. So right. I,
0: even I, if you I, were sitting there and like Big, because Big J even early was such a stunning talent, like just such dude. a crazy, insane talent, right? I can only tell you the people in the class above me.
1: It's like Bobby Kelly, Patrice O'Neal, like oh, the, like Pete Corielli. All I remember that I could distinct Jim Norton. I could distinctly tell you the class above me, Rich Voss, but like yeah. and I can tell you the people younger than me, like Pete Holmes, and 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 that and that group, but my class, like even Segura, I think is uh, is a class under me. He's a class
0: under you. Yeah, gym. yeah. He's
1: he, Although he looks like a very old man, he is younger than me.
0: So, like, Will does... That's hilarious. I like that you get the quick little dig in yeah. right away. Um, And I so relate also to the athletic stuff because I think... I don't know if, if if you know, but I'm... Other than that, you're much faster than me. You and I are very similar athletes. Like, I don't... No one could, would ever think I'm good at sports, but I can catch and throw anything. And yeah. I can play... I'm good. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I know you're a much better athlete than Tom. Like, there's just no... No doubt about it. Well, yeah, because it's harder, right? Doing those things is like harder. That's harder. Being able to like, you you could shoot a three, right? Like you could just step on a court. Like you could make seven out of ten foul shots if you like tonight if you had to, right? Yes,
1: yes. Tom Tom does not have a
0: a natural athletic ability. Yeah, he was a lineman.
1: He was a lineman. I would have been a wide receiver or a quarterback.
0: Yeah, you could say to someone, go 15 and cut in and you could lead them and throw a spiral and then walk away. Yeah. Leaving everybody wondering how the fuck that happened.
1: It's it's a weird place to be in because uh, I played, uh, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not very like, I, mean, I joke about my, my athletic ability like to Rogan and Tom and everyone. And I'll say yes. like, so when we Tom was like, I've been practicing tennis, I go, I'll destroy you. And he was like, wait, you never see me play. I go, you've never seen me play. He goes, but wait, you have no idea of my ability. And then we go out and you can find this video there's a point where Tom is being interviewed by the camera and you can see me over his shoulder and I I ace his tennis instructor and his tennis instructor walked over into him and was like yo your boy's got a D1 serve you're fucked and I ace Tom like 27 times but there, there there's a part that's I do that with my friends but like I went and played uh a pickup flag football game right uh over on some turf around here at a college yes and uh and I I'm as as I watch everyone who is in CrossFit and in good shape, as I watch them throw the ball, I realize I am by far the most competent quarterback. I have by far more instincts naturally about sports than any of these people, but I don't look it. But there's no way to tell them that to say, hey guys, I should be the quarterback. And so um and so I and and by the way, flag flag football is like I'm I'm it's just, it's just comes very naturally to me because we played it all through high school, all through co- college, you know. And so, at middle of the day, I say, "Hey man, can you're you're not getting a lot of completions? Would you like me to try throwing some?" And the guy was very frustrated. And it's just little things that he saw, like the front shovel pass to get it to get it, you know, like a quick front shovel pass. And that then is, they're like, "Oh wow, we're moving up the field. You're quarterback now." And so, yeah.
0: It's very satisfying moments. I know. I, yeah, I, I, it is. I'm, not, it is. I'm, I'm obviously not as good an athlete as you, but I can, you know, and, uh, I can, I have found occasionally like that thing. It's a weird thing, but the ability to throw a, like a spiral 25 yards, it really makes people, they are, it, it's very surprising and very useful sort of in certain situations to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, we'd be like a very, like if we showed up to play two on two somewhere we would make a lot of fucking money because nobody would think. No one's betting on us. I'm saying like if we showed up and just were like, yeah. oh, let's play some twos. Guy's our age. I'm not going to go beat a lot of 20-year-olds. But we, it would be fun. I mean, that would just be a fun thing to do. Uh, don't challenge Gary Goleman, though. He's great at sports.
1: Gary Goleman's extremely talented I've at I've played
0: sports with Gary. and He's very good at sports. Gary is, I,
1: Gary is, Gary is a... Savage, he is awesome at everything, and he's gorgeous, and he's one of my favorite comics in the world, and he's he's one of the closest. I love him to death. I love him to death.
0: Yeah, me too. We're we're very 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 close. Yeah, my 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 wife and his in the Great Depression special. My wife's the person who basically said the stuff to him that got him to go get to save his life. Like he talks about really
1: but he's yeah yeah,
0: yes, but he's got great hands. You know, played D one football. So as a comedian, I think you and Gary are probably the top two uh Soder's
1: a good athlete too yeah Soder's very talented we went and played we do uh we do um uh, I was with Greg Fitzsimmons we were in Tampa and my my I grew up in Tampa my my high school asked me if I'd come back and to their baseball practice and say hi to the kids and whatnot so I was like yes. we filled the van with everyone we're doing the Amelie Arena that night filled the van drive down to my high school the kids are out there they're excited Um, some guys I played baseball with are still out there. They're coaching. And I'm like, cool. And then they're like, Hey, Bert, you want to take some batting practice? And I was like, yeah. And I hit a home run and, and I'm 50 years old and I hit a fucking home run at like 300, 340 down left field over left field fence, 310. And, and every, I mean, you can see it. It's online. The kids literally like, shut up. And then I flip the bat. I run the bases. I start. And this is now this is me authentically. Is I raised my hand, I'm like your boy went yard, boys, get it in here, and all the kids come in. <laughs> We're all high fiving so They surround me at the plate, and it was like, and all night I kept saying, I told, I told Wade Boggs, I was Wade Boggs at my show, and I said, I said I hit a home run today, and he was like, and he was like, I I couldn't hit a home run today, like That's I couldn't, funny. and I was like, I was like Wade, and he was like, let me see your swing, and then he grabbed my phone and he watched my swing, and he told me all the points he loved about my swing, and it was like, oh, it was a great moment. That's a really
0: huge moment. I mean, that's a great moment. But here's the thing. Sports, I found sports, one of the great things about playing sports, especially if you weren't, you know, it wasn't my life. I just love this playing sports. Is like, there's a humility that is forced on you in sports because you always come up against someone better. Like I'm fucking around because I'm a fat guy who can throw and catch. So it surprises people. But sports fucking wreck you too. Like you, have right? And I, I wonder if you feel like it helped in your, the ups and downs of the career stuff. Just lose like you know you've lost like losing a close game even in pickup really sucks yeah and i just wonder if you've ever found parallels in
1: those my parent my parallel is is this i think i apply i think i take my stand up the same way i take my sports is that i i don't want you to expect much out of it and then i want you to be like blown away so like so like when you know I don't I think because I take my shirt off people there are people I'm sure that just write me off immediately and go oh what's this oh my god and I listened to David Letterman one time pay me a compliment and he said have you seen this guy Burt Kreischer he takes his shirt off and then he doesn't mention it and he performs spectacular comedy and he never tells us why he takes his shirt off and I and I think sometimes people like, I can't imagine the pressure it is to be John Mulaney, to be brilliant, and everyone knows it, and then you know you got to be brilliant? You know, that that would be, like, insane. Or, or, or Nick Kroll, or, or so many of these guys that are just brilliant, and then they got to be brilliant. Chappelle! I mean, it's got to suck to be him. It's nice to be me where people really don't expect much, and then I can over-deliver. And I think that under-promise, oh, yeah. over-deliver is
0: how I, I kind of lead, lead everything. That's really deep. I will say I've thought about that a lot because I realized at a certain point, I went to a shrink about, and I talked about this. I've never talked about this on this show, but I realized that if I showed up at a basketball court, because basketball matters so much to me when I was for many, many years, you know, 40, yeah. 50, 45 years. Oh, but yeah, if I, I remember showed up. I, remember
1: the, day, I remember, remember the day I fell in love with it.
0: Well, okay, tell me that. I won't forget what I'm going to say. No, tell no, me. no. Oh, no, I uh, uh, it was
1: um, the Michael jo- Jordan dunk contest and, I was watching Dominique the one against Dominique. Yeah. And I was watching all star weekend and there was something and they and they showed a highlight reel of Dr. J. And I was so blown away. And I was like, all right, this is my sport. I'm going to play for the rest of my life. This is it. I got it. Uh, My dad got me a a backboard and a hoop for my front yard. And I would be out there. I would go out there. And and sadly, I stopped playing basketball because it leans really close to my OCD. (laughs) (laughs) because i would go all right if i make this shot then dot 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 will happen i know and so um (laughs) i know and i was doing that at a young age i was doing that at like at like 10 you were evening
0: you were doing evening ocd evening at a young age
1: oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah i want to find out when my trauma happened because i know it had to have happened i just don't remember
0: it but uh you'll get you'll get there and it could be a series of traumas also the trauma could have just been The dad, your dad, like the way your dad treated you, like the not being considered good enough in his eyes to you, right? Which you've talked about a lot. And that, yeah.
1: He was my dad's just very, my dad's very matter of fact. Like he didn't want to get your hopes up for something that wasn't going to happen. He lost his dad when he was 13. So, like, when we played baseball, I played with this guy named Brad Radke, who ended up going to the twins. I played with a number of people, Mark Valdez, Troy Carrasco. They all went out and played professional baseball. And I remember saying to my dad at a young age, how come no one says, that I'm going pro but they all uh, say that they're going pro. And my ba- my dad's like, "Oh buddy, you, you just don't you don't have what they have. I mean, there's something special about them." And uh, you'll, and he goes, "You'll find your thing. You'll find your thing and 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 maybe you won't." But I mean, that's just don't get your hopes up. You know, these 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 these, these boys are exceptional talents. And they and, and as as we got older, you
0: realized how much their pacing was so much different than ours. I mean, dude, did I gotta just ask though, did that fucking hurt when he said that? To you? I know he said you'll find your thing, but like, like you've talked about this a bunch. And I mean, even just looking at the trailer for the machine, I can tell like you're, you're, you know, and the way you've over the years just dropped enough hints about this. So, like, obviously earning his respect mattered a great deal to you. Oh, yeah. And, but like, seriously, when someone says that kind of thing to you when you're trying really hard, I just have to think that it was fucking hurt. So, like, I think it inspired me to
1: try harder. Uh, I think, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I can't really apply the emotion. I can't figure out what emotions were applied then. But I, all I do know is that the first, I mean, it was such a powerful statement that when I, the first night I tried stand-up in Tallahassee, I got home and I called my dad. And I said, I found the thing Brad has for baseball. I found it. And he went, then you got to chase it.
0: Yeah, that's the best. That's, I yeah. mean, that's like, you know, my dad just died and three months ago. Very sad. And I loved him. But I remember when I had to make this big confession to him that I was going to try to be a writer. And I was so fucking scared of saying it because of all these different expectations. And I was old, you know, and I had a, I was married with a young kid. And uh, I wasn't going to quit my job, but I still was like, I think I have to. And he just went, if you want to write, write. And I was like, write. Yes, of course, and yeah. but it was just like that was his belief in a way. It was just like, okay, well, go do the thing. Don't fucking talk about doing the thing. I don't need to hear you talk about it. Go fucking do it, you know. Yeah. But what I was going to say about the the shrink thing was, I realized that if I walked onto a basketball court and nine guys looked at me like this guy's going to suck, yeah, and the guys on my team didn't want to pass to me, I was inevitably, no matter what, within seven minutes of a game starting. Four different people were gonna go, that's a shooter. Don't let that fucking guy shoot, stay on him. Like, don't fucking, you know, no matter what, that is what would happen. And- That's the best fucking feeling. Yes, but if then the next day I went back and everyone was like, that's the shooter, it was much harder for me. I could only do it really at that level when the rage of not being seen was so high That's when I could go and fucking knock down six threes in your face and go, fuck you. But then if everyone was like, oh, he's going to be great. It was much harder because I, the proving it was what like allowed me to fucking just like hyper-focus because of all the shit, um, like the ADHD and everything else. It was kind of like the equivalent of taking Adderall. It was like, oh, you don't want to pass me the ball and we're losing like your quarterback story. It was like, okay, I'm going to get the fucking rebound, dribble down and make a three from 30 now can yeah. we now will you pass me the ball
1: yeah like, yeah yeah you know uh we we did we did we did home run derby we did home run derby the, with all the comics in la there's a big group of us maybe like 13 of us and we went out to pan pacific park where there was a, a softball field now i don't think these gentlemen knew the difference between a baseball field and a softball field but i definitely did and i noticed that the fence was not that lo- far and i was like and i was like and they're playing Home Run Derby. I think we're playing Brett Ernst, me, Steve Byrne, Mike Young, uh, Steve Renazizi, Ari Shafir. I mean, everyone from the comedy stores out there. And they're, none of them are, are, they're all athletic, but none of them are, are like competent baseball players. And the first round, I hit 17 balls out of the park. And they were like, what the fuck? You're, oh, cause his name's Burt Crusher. Holy shit. But I and and, and that I, I I was not that kid growing up, but I was definitely that kid in college. Like when in college, like I went in the fraternity and they were like, hey, we're playing uh, we're playing intramural softball. And I was like, I'm out. And they're like, why? And my buddy, Jeff Hartley, knew that I could play. And I was like, I don't really give a shit. I'm not competitive. I don't play, I don't I don't I don't care. I don't give a shit. And they're like, we need an extra one. And I was like, OK, fine. And then they're like, Bert's playing right field. And I I didn't say a word. I didn't that's say awesome. a word. I basket caught every ball. And then when I got up, I hit a fucking dinger way beyond where the guy was. And and that when they – the look on someone's face, they're so – that's so much re- more rewarding. I think it's what I miss about like early stand-up. Early stand-up when no one knows who you are and you go out and you can murder and you can – and by the way, when you're a club comic, you got that muscle – down pat i can ask you a question and then give you a joke based on your answer because i got a ton of them i mean i I was it was like it it, that that is my favorite stand-up that you ever do is when no one knows and then people come out to you after and go who are you and you're like oh i missed that
0: How long did it take you to get really good?
1: Uh I think until I did the machine. Uh the machine was like, machine was like me figuring out my voice. But I had to tell well, I think that was 2000. I want to say it was a two, uh, it's a 2017, maybe. It was probably six years ago. Six years ago? I got good six years ago. But it was because I told the machine story and I learned how to tell a story. And and In learning how to tell a story, I I stumbled into a lot of things that I didn't, that were like, like very valuable lessons, like planting a seed to harvest at the end or, uh, or, or how to end a story or how to, how to start a story, you know, like how to really grab them by the, by the dick and start a story. And so, um, I, when I did the machine that, that special is, is, is really good When I did Secret Time, I think I had figured it out. I had figured it out entirely, and I and I and I mean, this is really in the weeds. But I'd also, I was wise enough to know that I didn't know everything. Like I love surrounding my myself with people smarter than me. I you'll never hear me say that I'm the best comic or I'm the because I'm not. I I, all my friends are better than me. Every one of my friends is better at stand up comedy than me. Every single one of them. But I remember. I remember being backstage and uh, and, and Chris Delius and Eliza Schlesinger were backstage. And they said, hey, congrats on the Netflix special. This is secret time. And I go, thanks. And, just, and Chris very casually goes, they're only going to watch 30 minutes. I said, what? And he goes, they're only going to watch 30 minutes. He goes, I, I can still do my closure from that on the road. People don't even know it. And I went, really? Wow. And then Eliza said they watched the whole thing. And the way she said it and the way Chris said what he said I was like, I think I'm going to lean towards Chris. I think Chris is a, I, and, and then I was like, and then I was like, so I I took my I, secret time. I, what I did is, and I do this for all my specials. I put my closer earlier in the special so that you have to watch my closer. Cause I mean, if I, I, I if I closed on the raffle story, it would have Leanne just, that's me. I mean, that's a, that's special over, drop the mic but i move i move them more forward so that i but go but the and, look, at
0: the end is the escape room is the end which is still I, a huge yeah, i know story. i know but
1: you got well you got to end strong you need a closer so i had to write two closers but uh, what i do is i when I, I did learn this a secret time, I, I I try to hype up my jokes per minute in the beginning to make sure that you know that I can land the skating trick and stick it. I not I'm very specific about this, Brian. I don't mention the city I'm performing in in the beginning. I don't say anything. The first words that come out of my joke out of my mouth will be a joke. I'm very specific about that. I've seen too many. I don't have any long-winded intro. It just start this shit, ladies and gentlemen, Bert Kreischer. I tell a joke right away. I try to keep my laughs per minute very high at the beginning. Yes, and then. And then I take I take all my funniest shit and try to throw it up front, as much as it fits, as much as it works, and um and I try to cl- I try to start my closer around twenty six minutes. Tw- I did twenty two minutes was when I started my closer on secret time because I was like no one knows who I am, so I, my closer better I'm gonna start it early, and I think my closer was the zip lining story and uh I thought, yeah i love this
0: yes yeah and, and it worked i'm saying making that adjustment worked where's the machine hit in the machine special where does that
1: hit? it's at the end i didn't know it i it was for showtime at the time it and it wor- I, I mean it I worked yeah it, but i didn't I mean, know it worked i didn't know i, I didn't know the rules uh, there's a lot of rules to stand up and you and if you watch if i mean if you know s- s- hour is the an art form you you don't mention something and then re-mention it later and like you don't go like uh, my wife and I have sex, and then and uh, later in the thing go, and then one one time we were having sex. Like you already covered that. It's it all better be in that chunk together, and uh, and it, what's really uh, the biggest compliment I ever got was when I did Secret Time. I they brought me in and they're like, you know, your special awesome. We're really excited. Um, and it performed really well. You know, what do you want to do next? And 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 then Ro- Robbie said, "Do you mind if I send this to other comedians because your retention rate was was higher than normal." And I said, "Please." I said that was like the biggest compliment he could ever give me. He and so, um, and so I tried, I, I tried to do that in all the specials. Really front load them so that you you can't walk away. And then, and then, and then the the real tap, the real task is to make sure the back is just as good as the front. So you, you're that closer that like nine months into your set when you're doing this, that closer that you have. You got to take that and move that up front, the undeniable closer. And then, then you've got to come up with a fucking closer that can follow that closer.
0: Well, yeah, it's really also interesting like the way you carry the themes through and, and throughout out your stuff. But, you know, I was watching and hearing the we way you were talking about your, your daughters and your wife and the whole thing. And then to build to end with a full family story. That's really uh, about the family from where you started and the thematic unity of that. I thought it was real and you're smiling because, like, yeah, like that's really <laughs> intentional and a beautiful, really hard to pull off thing, right? Which is you don't say, oh, look, what you gotta understand about me is I'm the happiest when I'm doing this silly crazy shit with these people that I love. Yeah. But that's what you're left with from watching the special is that those are the people that your daughters are getting the biggest kick out of what you're doing
1: of um, anybody, yeah. right? And that's I mean, on purpose, yeah.
0: right? I mean, you're consciously doing that.
1: Yeah, I'm conscious. The one thing that I was very conscious in, in this special is uh, I wanted I, I the inside jokes sometimes make you giggle. And and I I stumbled on it because I would I would do an accent of Leanne um, yes. and I kept that in throughout. And I got really lucky because uh, Tony Hernandez over at Jax Media is one of my best friends. I grew up with him and he produces all of my specials. And he said, gave me the best compliment. And he goes, I love Leanne's accent because throughout the special, anytime she talks, it gets a laugh. So she does not even need to make a joke. He's a comedian. Like, she shouldn't need to make a joke. She just needs to speak and you get a laugh. And I was like, oh, that's fun. I got so lucky. I stumbled into that. Well, I you also have the balls,
0: but, but also you have the balls to say undercut your own joke by saying she doesn't really talk like that. I mean, you say yeah. that in the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the thing, you literally go, ah, she doesn't really talk like this, uh, which also, it's very layered, like, you know, that artist question. I, I think you're lying when you say you don't consider yourself an artist. I think you're embarrassed to say that you think you're an artist. <laughs> but you know you're an artist uh, because you're doing, that's what you're doing. It has a lot of intention around it. There's a lot of intention, it. you, you lot also- of
1: intention and, and it's really fun. Making a special is the funnest thing I've ever done and I take it really really serious I'm always blown away when people sign up for a special and they don't spend at least 18 months working on it and then work that last month every single day and watch the recordings and and see how you can tighten it and see where your sloppiness is and try to find a running theme throughout and try to plug things and then one night get drunk as fuck and do your do your hour and fuck it up and then you'll find new ways to f-
0: I love I love doing well, that's the most amazing thing to watch watching friends do that like watching Gary Watching Alan Havy in the old days do it, who's yeah. family to me. And then Gary, you know, when Havy did his half hours and then watching Soder and Gary put theirs together and just watching how tirelessly and like just with so much fucking intention, yeah. you guys work on getting every word where you want it. And I don't know that that's always, Cliff people really understand like how hard it is. But here, I want to ask you, speaking of hard, you know, at the beginning, this, I said, you're one of the biggest comedians in the world, and you are. But this part of you becoming a superstar was a long fucking time coming. Like, <laughs> yes, you got discovered young. You made a show. Did it, like, you, these things happened. But at 50, you're 49 or 48. Your 50, whole life, I'm 50, I'm 50. At, but at a certain, I'm saying at for your whole life kind of changed. It got to a different place, right? Can you just yeah. talk, what's a moment, when did you have sort of like... A moment of career insecurity. A career insecurity? Way. Oh yeah. my whole fucking career. I got, I got. <laughs> yeah, that's what
1: I want to. Yeah. I uh so I uh I <laughs> when I was working at Travel Channel, I, I my dad had a motto it was, it was eat shit and cash checks, right? That was his motto to me. I remember I had a deal with Jameson and for five thousand dollars a week, and my, my dad goes, buddy buddy whatever they want you to do you do okay <laughs> if they don't want you to talk about alcohol on stage don't talk about alcohol on stage eat shit and cash checks and 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 it 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 resonated with me and when i had kids i got an offer to do this show called uh birth conquer and it was like seven thousand dollars a week and it was not shit i wanted to do but i knew that i was going to get paid and i knew i was good at it and How many i was episodes? like uh three seasons Like thirteen episodes a season,
0: right? Because it's not seven thousand dollars a week for the whole year. It's seven thousand dollars a week. I just want the. Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. I want people listening to understand. It's seven times thirteen, not seven times fifty-two. Yeah. It's oh that's yeah
1: that's very accurate. And so it's an important uh, difference. It's an important difference. God damn yeah. I I wonder how often I've said that wrong. So, but I remember I remember taking the job and going, "E shit cash checks. I'll put. I'll do stand up. I got to work two weeks." A month for travel channel i'll do one week of stand up and then i'll take one week off and uh and then we'll make money and then we're going to be able to buy a house and then i can get my kids set up in a good neighborhood to go to school we can get a yes. public school leanne did all that research we bought a house in valley village it was fucking awesome uh life's going good i'm doing podcasts uh, i'm travel channel signs me to a a a, a deal like a two-year a deal. real deal yeah a real deal which uh was like a, a million dollars over three years Amazing, and you know which, right it, it was uh, you're set. then comic, you know you're
0: making 330 a year you're at plus oh. can com- be comedy you're great
1: yeah. The greatest feeling in the world is the day i got that deal i remember we opened a bottle of champagne and i exhaled and i went i don't have to worry about money for three years i don't right. have to worry about fucking money in doing that i was compromising everything i was supposed to do a show special at showtime and i hadn't done it i was supposed to do a development deal over at NBC. i i kind of bailed on it and it just was like I this money is paying for things and I was like hopefully I'll be like the Bobby Flay of Travel Channel, the Andrew Zimmer of Travel Channel. And so about eight years into working for travel channel, seven years into working for travel channel, I'm um, with my dad, we're at his beach house and we're having a bottle of a glass of wine and a cigar. And my dad goes, I'm I'm probably forty four, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna I'm probably 43. And my dad goes, so so, what's the plan, buddy? And I uh-huh. go, uh, well, I mean, hopefully I get signed to another deal at Travel Channel, right? Eat shit, cash, checks, dad. And he starts crying uncontrollably. And he goes, I think I fucked you up. I think I really, really fucked you up. I, I think that's for me. That's for people without talent. But you have talent. And if you don't go for this now, then you're going to regret that you never went for your dream. You need to shoot that special, and you need to focus on on what makes you a star. Uh, he's like, oh, I really fucked up. So two, cut to two days later, I'm at the fucking comedy store, and Bill Burr and Rogan are sitting in the green room, and I walk in, and they freeze. I'm like, what's going on, guys? And just out of nowhere, Joe's like, your travel channel show sucks. He was like, we were just talking about it. You're not that guy. You're not that guy. You should get away from that shit. Literally, this is all happening within... Literally, this is really happening within the moment that I'm about to go viral for the machine story, all, all the, the months leading up to this. So maybe that's the summer I schedule, I I I then get fired from Travel Channel. I get fired from Travel Channel. Leanne starts demolition on our house to redo our house. I am supposed to do the funnier Die tour, and they pull me off it for no reason at all just because I didn't make financial sense to them. And they're like, what? Tom Segura tells me for that same funnier Die tour, I'm making $2,000 a weekend. For the Funny or he's making twenty grand a show. Yeah, I've heard like, that. I've heard you guys talk about that. Yeah. Like all this is landing on me, and I'm fat, and Tom's fat shaming me, and and we've got a big weigh-in coming on in Rogan. All this is happening, and I'm like, mother of fucking god. And I was like, and I, literally, I had to come to terms. I remember just going like, I'm cool with just being a journeyman comic. Like I'm cool with it. I don't need anything more. But I go. But I should. I mean, I, I'm like I should. I should try to take control of my career. I feel like I was my whole life. I've been waiting in my house for someone to call me, and no one's yeah. calling. Yeah. And, uh, and and but at that moment, That's I remember so distinctly thinking, I have no control over this. I was at I was at the St. Louis Funny Bone. Um, Doug Doug Benson and I get into a huge fight on stage at the St. Louis Funny Bone uh, or St. Louis Heliums we get on a fight it then gets released to the public on his podcast Doug Loves Movies and and the next morning I'm doing radio and the manager a very i I mean I would definitely probably say someone on the spectrum said to me as we're driving past the gas station and I'm looking at the gas station and I'm watching this guy in basketball shorts and a tank top and slides who owns the thing he's smoking a cigarette it's a it's a it's a st louis like gas station pick and go or whatever and i'm looking at him thinking i bet he doesn't worry about his career i bet he doesn't worry Uh, about like i remember going like i bet he doesn't worry about where he's going to be in five years i bet he's worried about today that must be a nice feeling and then this guy says to me so how much longer are you going to be able to do this and i go what uh, whoa he goes i mean dude you're like 44 like what's gonna i mean what are you gonna do this when you're 50 and i was like I don't know. I never thought of it that way.
0: you mean, going from helium to funny bone, basically.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? And that night, Doug Benson and I made up, and he showed me a thing called Google Trends. And he goes, yeah, you can find out how many people are Googling your name. It's like really powerful. Oh, look, I'll show you. And you can see. And then I was like, wait, what's that? And they're like, oh, I, oh that's the day you were on Rogan. And I was like, wait, what's that one? And they're like, that's the day you're on Rogan. And I was like, wow, Rogan seems to be really spiking me what's that? And they're like, that's the day you did Letterman. And I'm like, and so I looked at this and I was like, oh, I bet I can control my own destiny. I go home and I'm like, I do the special. No one watches it. I tried to start doing promos. I started doing promos and the promos started going, like started like getting traction. Rogan called me up one day and he goes, dude, what was that song in the beginning of, beginning of your treadmill promo? And I was like, oh, it's, uh, Creedus Clearwater Revival. That's the, uh, I forget the name of the song now, but I go, it's, that's what it is. And he's like, dude, I love that promo. The rock hits me up, dude, your promos are hilarious. And I'm like, oh shit. And then I look at Google trends and I realize that as I post these, I'm getting spikes and I'm like, I go, I just got to And then I post and then I start, I get really comfortable with editing. I get really comfortable with shooting. And this is all why, by the way, while I'm working at travel Channel, even before then I had been doing it, but I started thinking, all I got to do is spike. And if I spike, I'll sell tickets. And if I sell tickets, I'm in control of my own destiny. And and then I started becoming a little like like even broader about it. I was like, I was like, what do I like? What what what's what do I like? And let me see how they spike. And I looked at Sean Evans on Hot Ones and I was like, I love that show. And I'm like, man, they're go. I'm watching them on Google Trends. They're skyrocketing. I was like, I wonder if I bet if I do that show, I get- I bet I could spike up to there. And so I call Sean Evans. He's like, we don't have comics on, but if we ever do, I'll hit you up. And he's like, I'm a huge fan. And then, literally February—that this is six years ago—February, uh, he hits me up. He's like, hey man, we're having comics on. What, you want to do it? And I was like, fuck yes. And then I do hot ones, huge spike. And then, and of course, you know, this is the the I'm, I'm the flaw of me. I go just so you know, you got to have all my friends on. Tom Segura, Joey Diaz, Bill Burr, you gotta get all these guys on, they're fucking hilarious, and they'll destroy. And by the way, these guys are all now huge spikes because they're doing them, and I'm like, and everyone's, but it's like the the tide raises all the ships, huge spikes for everyone. What venues are you playing at this time? At this time, I am, well the machine story goes viral. Tom and I do the weigh-in on Rogan, we do two days in a row, and on the first day that we do the weigh-ins, the machine story goes viral and and i'm looking at the spike from rogan on google trends but it, all of a sudden it's way high and and uh and i was like i was like what the f-? and then i see it's going viral and i'm like oh shit and now I've, I've signed up i've signed up on new year's eve i was paying getting paid 25 grand i love giving numbers i was being paid 25 grand too, yeah. at the at the oxnard levity live and i didn't sell one ticket they
0: papered the room for new year's eve and what i year? lost wait what uh, year
1: uh, six years ago
0: six years ago so, okay this is okay so listen this is really important to people listening this is this is true right you six years ago yeah new year's eve yep you play i'm trying to i'm trying to find the exact date to an empty you play to an empty a papered room yep no, and not no even one, a huge, not even a huge room.
1: Not even a huge room. Six years ago, six years ago, I played to an. And empty what does that room. room hold? What does that room hold? It's a large one. They started building those lovely, large, lives. Large so it's probably like four hundred.
0: Yeah, like four hundred people. Yeah. Right, you're playing at twenty thousand people now. They're now, doing, yeah. And some nights you were doing the, when you do the festival thing, you could play to one hundred thousand people now, but at yeah. that time you were playing you couldn't sell 400 tickets i just if you're listening to this and you're like why isn't my like understand that this guy had a new year's eve gig where they were paying him money and he knew he was not they weren't going to book him the next time because they weren't making any money on him they were losing money on him i
1: I drove home on new year's eve day we were doing weigh-ins at joe's and i made no money i stayed in a hotel and i remember thinking i because I drank, and I was trying not to drink, so I was trying to lose weight, because the loser of the weight loss challenge got his beard shaved off, and of course, I had a fucking epiphany about that. And I was like, I bet the person without the beard gets Googled more than the person with the beard. Oh, awesome. So I was like, fuck it. If I lose, it's it's a win. It's a win. And, and so I dro- I'm i driving home. The sun's coming up from Oxnard to LA. I drank, uh, and I, I was in an exceptionally good mood, because I was watching the numbers on the machine go up and we're about to do the weigh-in and I uh and I was listening to Creedence Clearwater Revival and I said this is my theme song and it was I'm gonna I'm gonna get emotional (laughs) but it was like it was like being it was like being christened by light because it was just the sun rises in the east and you're driving east and I'm and I remember just being bathed in it going like it's a new fucking time. I remember, f- like, f- sincerely feeling I'm in charge of everything. I'm gonna make my own content. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to Rogan's. We're gonna do big podcasts, and hopefully, I can make, I can sell some tickets because I gotta be at at Vinnie Brand's club in Jersey, the Stress Factory, on the eighth through the eleventh. And I was like, so hopefully, I'll move some tickets because I'll do Rogan, and I'll do a promo for it, and I'll do some weight loss stuff. And so let's hope we move some tickets and let's, and let's, and we got a $10,000 guarantee and, and let's not let that down. Let's make that 10,000. I remember being very, uh, very proactive about it. And I went and did Rogan's and the machine story went viral. And that weekend at Vinnie brands was sold out and it was a blizzard. Uh, And I said, I I remember saying, why, why, why are you guys here? And I go, did you guys hear me on Rogan? And everyone's like, who the fuck's Rogan? And I go, Joe Rogan. And they're like, no, news radio guy. No. And I was like, I was like, no, uh, where are you, why are you here? And the guy goes, the machine story, bro. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna retire that story. And he goes, the fuck you are! I brought ten people to hear it. Tell it. And I was like, shit. And and I and that and from that moment, I did three weekends at ten thousand dollars. And and from that, I watched the machine story just grow. I mean, it was like. I mean, by that weekend, it was at like 7 million. Then it was at 20 million. Then it was at 30 million. It's And that's just all. We're just talking about Facebook. It's at 88 million on all platforms right now. So, but that moment, and, and then I started believing in myself and having a stupid idea and following through. And that weekend, I created something called the waitstaff raffle, which is where I would pass around. a a bucket everyone would throw in whatever had they had five ten a dollar and then we'd pull one waitress's name and and I did that the last night there and and the and the girl said something very moving she said she got like uh seven hundred dollars out of the waitstaff raffle and she goes oh my god and she goes this is really great and I was like why and she goes I'm pregnant and everyone cheers and she goes she goes no I can buy the expensive car seat now and I was like whoa That was crazy. And then literally the next weekend in Lexington, Kentucky, and this is the way I operate. I have my camera up. I'm ready for something to happen. And we bring a dude named Kevin. I think his name was Kevin on black dude wins the weight staff raffle. And he comes on stage and he's emotional. And I go, Kevin, what's the, you seem like you're uh, emotional about this. And he goes, dude, it's $900. And I was like, yeah. I said, what are you gonna do with that money? And he goes, and he starts crying and he goes, next weekend's my daughter's birthday and i don't have money to get her a present let alone throw her a party she's turning 13 and next week i get to be the dad she thinks i am and i have it on camera i'm crying i go to kevin after i go can i post that on social media and he's like please post it on social media it goes viral and people start hitting me up and and all of a sudden now i got i'm creating content on my own production house and i'm and i i just leaned into it and i said I will when I when I will make videos to promote dates. I'll make posters to promote dates. I'll, and I just was like whatever I, I stopped I stopped listening to absolutely everyone and I did whatever the fuck I thought was right and was like, and it was like it, it was it was a change. I mean, to, when you say this and it, and it's crazy to think that 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 is where I was then, and to know now I'm like I just announced fully loaded. And fully loaded is gonna be the summer, two weeks in June, two weeks in July. And I created a promo. Uh I don't know if you saw the promo, but it's a, a group text with a video that I send. And then as the I go, are you guys gonna you guys wanna do fully loaded? Something like that. And then as they reply, you see the names announcing who's on the tour. So it yes. goes Lewis Black, David Tell, Tiffany Haddish, uh Stavros Haliakis. Uh it goes through all the names. Big J, Dan Soder, and uh and and literally People that up my agents. Like, would he be interested in starting a marketing company? Like, the he's this promo is better than anything we could do at our company. to and What I mean, this size is like,
0: venues are you playing for
1: your this thing? I mean, fucking, I think the gorge is seventy five thousand. I don't know. <laughs> right, you're playing a seventy five thousand people. <laughs> well, we're, I mean, we're, I doubt we're gonna sell seventy five thousand. You know, no, you're gonna I sell it i already did texted your, rogan did, i said i got a private jet for you if you want to come out i need to move tickets <laughs> did,
0: you, did your dad did your dad know like how important those words he said to you were like oh, when he's... he when he cried and he was like uh i fuck i like did the wrong thing by you like had, does he know that that plus the ro you know plus um rogan and burr and the thing that those two things made you kind of set you off on on this other axis to go into does he, is he does he know it I don't think so. I don't, my dad,
1: my dad defers everything. No matter what story you tell him, he'll just he's say, like, nah, he's, he's like, dad, you have a horrible memory. That's not how that happened. And you're like, I mean, we have this joke in our family about when we owned a van and my dad legit says we never owned a van. And me and my sister Annie are like, we definitely had a van. You dropped me off at, co- at, at, at in first grade, you dropped me off in a van. And then my sister's like, we picked up Aunt Judy in a fucking van. At but the wait, airport. do you?
0: I guess. But what I'm asking is, do you finally feel like uh, you got his approval though for this? Like you. Did oh, the I have thing? his.
1: I have his approval. I have. I have nailed his approval. I have. How does that,
0: how's that feel? Um. <laughs> I
1: mean, I don't know. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> good yeah yeah pretty good yeah.
0: good i'm so glad to, no it's great to see that it still moves you this much because you've talked about yeah. it so much him it's great that you know you've earned his approval and I mean, he was. he was
1: in this way he was uh you know my dad my dad is uh a very interesting man and uh i did emily arena uh a couple of weeks ago in tampa it's like i don't know 15 17, and uh and it sold it out and I got him a box, him and my mom a box, and I said, awesome. "Bring your friends." Uh, they, I got him a sprinter van and brought him to the venue. Uh, they went up to the box. My dad's never seen me do stand up. He's never seen me do stand up. And so, uh, that's wait. The first time he saw you do stand up was in an arena. The first time he saw me do stand up live yeah, was a night been, you're
0: making a night you're making like a million bucks. Like he hasn't seen it until then.
1: Yeah. So he and he and he's been to my shows, but he'll never go and watch me. He'll sit backstage and have a drink. But he won't want, listen or watch me. It makes him nervous. So he goes up to the box and then, uh, it was interesting cause he got, he got done and he came down and he was like, and, and you could tell, like he, he didn't know what to say. he like, he was just like, like just really kind of just, I wouldn't say stoic, but just a little bit lost. And, yeah. uh, and he was like, uh, it was really good. And I was like, thanks. And then Derek Brooks, who played for the Bucs and played at Florida State, came in. And Derek Brooks says, man, this journey of yours has been amazing. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah? And he goes, you know, I was at your first show when you did stand-up at Tallahassee. I went with Miles mostly a friend of ours. And I went, you were at my first show? And he goes, to see you from Pop bellies to here... Uh. Is an amazing journey. He looked at my dad. He goes, "That must be really amazing for you." And I watched my dad tear up. And then <laughs> Derek Brooks laughed at my dad's like Derek fucking Brooks. God damn it, buddy! What the fuck? He was at your first... he's here right now. Derek fucking Brooks. Can you believe this? And my and my, my Wade Boggs sat in the box with my dad. And uh, and I, I think he I think he's overwhelmed. And I I think sometimes it's like de- declawing him. Because he doesn't know what to say to me. He doesn't know the advice to give me. He doesn't, right. I remember, the, I mean, it, it's it's like I, I said to him during the pandemic, I had my bus come out, drive out to Tampa and pick them up and then have him drive out my bus. And my dad's like, I, I wouldn't even, well, we should split gas. And I go, dad, it the gas is not the issue. I'm housing a, dry, uh, dad, please don't worry about it. And he goes, just tell me how much it is. I'll cut you a check. And I go, dad, I'm, you're not going to do it. And he goes, buddy, tell me. I go, it's $18,000. He goes, what the fuck? He was like, I, god damn it. What the? And I, uh, And then, and st- I mean, even at like, even uh, I've, I've flown them private before. And he just is like, he just, he goes, I, I don't even want to know how much you paid for this. I don't even want to know. And I was like, good. And like the big thing now is is uh, I do a thing called Private Suite out of L.A., uh, just a lot easier for me. Uh, I get anxiety flying, and and it's but it's twenty five hundred dollars uh, to, to get a private room, and then they take you directly to the plane. It's 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 extravagant if. You don't consider the fact that you sh- technically could be flying private, yeah. but I would, I'd I'd yes. rather fly commercial. The planes are a little more stable for me. It's a little safer for, I don't know, I like it better. So that's my extravagance is I I, I pay $2,500. Our whole crew goes there, and we can hang out and chill and get burgers, and then they take us directly to the plane. So I do it for my dad and my dad mom, and my dad goes, now that's fucking nice. Now this, buddy, this is what I'm talking about. And he goes, "Uh." Why don't I tell me how much it, it is to reimburse? I'll reimburse you. And I, I go, Dad, I, I don't think you want to know how much it is. And he goes, he goes, no, 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 no. Tell me, just give me a, give me a number, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll pay it. And I said, it's twenty five hundred bucks a, a flight. And he goes, hold on, hold on. I didn't fucking okay. We're done. I'm not doing. I'm never doing that again. And I went, Dad, I made twenty four million dollars last year. Right. Okay. I can afford to send you into the. And and, and he goes, he goes, you are you serious? I was like, showed him the article. I go, yeah, it's public knowledge. They put the top 20 earning comics in the country. I'm number four. I go, Dad, I'm, trust me, we're not, these extravagances aren't going to break the bank. Okay? <laughs>
0: It, all right, I got just a couple more questions. I know we're over time, but you're used to doing long podcasts. I know, I, got I, could, ask you a couple, I could talk to you I, forever. I, good. I got just a couple more questions, which are sure. like, related to this. And you've talked about this on, on your various podcasts, but I got a couple related questions. Okay. One, one of the things that always marks your stories, your comedy, your whole thing is being an outsider and being able to be undervalued, like you're saying, underappreciated, uh, you know, having to prove your worth in a way, right? Even the Russian, even the machine starts with, I can't speak a language. Like I'm an idiot who walked into the wrong class, like, uh, you know, over and over. But now you are the king of the, like you're a very, 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 very wealthy and successful person. You could fly private all the time. There's no one can take that shit away from you. And, have you been able to really synthesize it and accept it as like the who and what you are? Do you think the fact that you have uh, the right marriage and have kept your family intact is like a big part of it? Like, because it's a really big deal, and you didn't you didn't kind of like factor this in. I don't think for most of your life. Like, no. whereas you know you're not someone who was. In a weird way, Rogan, because of the jujitsu, because each thing he did was always like top of his class success. And it yeah. was just success on top of success. For you, it's been different. So how do you synthesize? How do you like take that on in a way? I,
1: I you know, I, I was very simple at the beginning. When I start, first started making money, I never, looked at, I never looked at how much money we were making. I just gave it to Leanne. And I knew we were comfortable. I, that's all I wanted to make sure is that we were comfortable. Yeah. And 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 I and I I kind of lived in this world where we're staying in the same house. We're not asking for more. Just we're good. We're good. It doesn't matter how much money we're we're good. Uh, during the pandemic, I mean, we doubled down on two bears. We started making money on two bears, and I was panicked then. I was panicked then. And then, as things got a little bigger, and and especially with this arena tour and with the tour last year, the one that was you know published, I. I, I I kept this thing of going. I don't want to know how much money is coming in. I have a I, I have a. I'm very cheap. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm very cheap. That I don't. I will not. I don't like flying private. I can't. I just can't. I can't pull the trigger. Uh, if you see, if you think I'm flying private a hundred times, then there's been three thousand times I've canceled the flight and said I'm not doing it. it why? But And, and so why? I, I I it. We were supposed. And and then I regret it. I'm sitting at the fucking Vancouver airport punching myself in the nose going, I could have flown private from Calgary to Kelowna, Kelowna to LA. And instead, I'm, I'm, I know that it's $1,600 to fly my whole crew home versus 52,000 to fly my whole crew home private. And I, and I, so I, I just never, I go, I'd rather save that money and, and not spend it. And Leanne is very hyper aware of how much money we're making. And she started buying houses. She bought a beach house and then she bought the new house we live in. And then she just bought this new house that we're built podcast studios out of. And I started fucking panicking. I started really panicking and I I had to come to Jesus with her, I go, hey, you gotta slow down. And she was like, honey, we're fine. I think, I think I think I have this, I still have this energy of like, if I fly private, I'm not the guy that doesn't post it on social media. And, and I and I talked to the right? Eliza about this the other day. I go, I go, Eliza, a regular person, a regular human, hosts private flights. That's, it's a baller fucking move. It's the coolest thing that may happen to you in your life. It's fun as shit. I make everyone that's on my private jet post pictures of them on my private jet because that's what regular people do. The second I start going, I don't want to show that side of me, I start feeling disingenuous. And I start feeling like I'm no longer me. I'm no longer accessible. It's like it's hard to
0: show it. You got to show it. It show is. It, I just, I just, who I just started yeah.
1: testosterone yesterday, two day, three days ago. I'm telling everybody. I'm telling everybody because I, I go. If I start, you're on the reverse
0: just, liver king. You're on the reverse liver king path. Booyah. That's the funniest thing ever. He's. I want to interview that guy so bad. I got to get that guy bad. I, I, I can make that happen. I have his private number. You can connect me with Brian? I can. I will set, I will Dude, set that Dude, how much up. would you like to hear me talk to Brian? Come
1: on. Are you fucking kidding me? That would Dude, be... I want to see him cry. Get
0: the fuck Please text out. connect. Please text connect. Okay. Just to wrap it up here. There's so much... There is so much... I'm very moved by your whole story. And like that moment that you... After your father said that to you. And then your friends said that thing to you about your show sucking... The fact that you rolled you heard it and somehow started taking direct action, which now it all seems like, well, of course it worked out. There was no guarantee that any of it would work out. It's pretty amazing that I'm very you did coachable. That. Yeah, that I mean that's that's awesome. All right, last thing. When you absorb all the lessons you learn from the various like super big time guys when you weren't, do you consciously then does that affect the way you treat openers, feature acts? How you think about that stuff? You're laughing, right? like does it, has it sort of affected the way you are now that you're the top of the mountain person? Uh,
1: it it, it has, it has, and it hasn't. You know, Say more like it. I um, I, I definitely tour with friends. I definitely. I'm very I'm very uh I'm I'm very hands on trying to help them and uh and giving giving them like subtle advice about you know podcasting and stuff you know I pay probably I pay I pay okay but uh I I th- I think all the things I, I I there's a great line in this song by Tool and the, the name of the song is called Judith or it's it's by a perfect circle and the name of the song is Judith and um there's a line that says, You're such an inspiration for a way that I never want to be. And uh and I and I I've applied more what I've seen people do wrong. Yeah. And just avoided asking. that. Avoided that. Like I don't I don't do Coke on the road. I don't do Coke, but I don't do Coke on the road. I don't travel with drugs. Uh I I show up sober. I do I work sober. I party afterwards. I don't cheat on my wife. We go to strip clubs, but if I go to strip clubs, I'm always around a big group so that nothing shady can happen. I mean, l- little things that you learn, like watching older comics. And then, and then you know, it's like, then the little things like, you know, Rogan, you fucking put out your podcast ever, as much as you can. You fucking bust your ass. You hustle. You're never tired. You wake up early. You work out. You stay healthy. Like those things I've watched. I mean, and then, and, and, and David Tell. David Tell was my, I mean, my 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 idol, he he would go out to bars and he would give fans what they needed. Like he would he, I remember him saying to me when I worked with him. I, right after we had Georgia, he was like, he was like, uh, I know you want to drink with me. I'll make it happen. I'm a little sick right now, but it'll happen. It's Sunday night. He's still sick. He goes, let's go have our night. And so we went to a bar and I had, and I had drinks with David Tell, and that was one of the most memorable moments of my life. Of and, I, and I make sure that. I make sure that when we go on the road that I try to give that to every if there's fans out by the bus, if there's fans waiting at a bar, if there's fans, I used to tell fans, "We're going to this bar, I'll meet you there." And and but yeah, I think I th- I think I've I think I've learned. I think I'm 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 pretty kind um and I try like I you know I but like I said, I'm cheap. Like we went to, we went to fucking Europe we stayed in five star hotels and flew first class everywhere. And I had a group of eight and I mean, like I had literally had to, I'm, I am cheap. I am cheap. Ultimately I am cheap. And I'm like, just like, this is, I'm hemorrhaging money. Every time you they took came them, down, but you did it, but every time they'd come down to the lobby, they'd be like, man, that room was nice. Did you see the shower? And I'd be like, <laughs> good God. Oh, and fucking.
0: you don't slap your opener around like mo green like mo green did you, you don't fredo your fucking uh openers no i don't i definitely don't slap
1: my openers. you don't tune like, up you don't tune up your openers i won't even take i won't even take tags from
0: openers <laughs> you don't you won't even take the tag if they throw I'm it to fucking, you I'm
1: like, oh like, god guys no that's yours that's all yours i'm good i'll
0: figure it out on my own well the new special is called razzle dazzle go watch this special Man, I'm I'm so happy that we finally got to do this and, and talk in this way uh, You know, after being Twitter pals. Uh, you're awesome. Please,
1: I, you, I'm such a fan of yours. I am so privileged to have done this podcast. I've listened to this podcast for so long. Some of the best interviews I've ever heard are on here, and, and it was an honor to be interviewed by you, Brian. Thank you Thanks, very dude. Much. I can't
0: wait to come out and go to the cave and do it with you out hey, there.
1: I'm in here right now. I got a spot for you. Let me know. Let me know.
0: I will. I'm just not. uh, Yeah, I got to finish this season of Billions. I'm not going anywhere until we wrap the season. But when we do, I'll come out and I would love to come see you in person. Dude, we'll shoot some hoops. We'll play horse for money. We'll have a good time. Awesome. I love it. I'm going to hold you to that. All right, dude. Take care of yourself.